about Doctor Who, my name is David, and as ever, I am joined by the artificially intelligent Matt. Hello there. So, special one this week. Yeah, classic back, Who. Back to classic Who. The fourth Doctor, as portrayed by Tom Baker, arguably the most iconic of all the well, classic Doctors. I, I've put in my notes, even before the episode starts, and yeah. you know, you've got the titles, and Tom Baker's face appears. Yeah. I've just put... Is Tom Baker the most doctory doctor? As many would argue yes. Mm. Um, I, he's the doc... Before we did this, yeah. he's the doctor I had in my head. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's like the image of the doctor they put on the Simpsons and yes. things like yeah. that. Shall I tell you why that is specifically? It's because um, for American fans who grew up in the 70s and 80s, he was basically the only doctor they ever saw. Right. Because when... A, um, PBS used to air uh, Doctor Who, uh, like on a loop uh, across the United States and, and Canada as well. And they almost exclusively played the fourth Doctor. A, because there was so much of it, because he had the longest tenure of any uh, Doctor. Uh-huh. Um, so certainly when we're talking active, like people will make the argument like, oh, well, technically Paul McGann was from 1996 to 2005. It's like, yeah, but he was in one episode. Yeah. You know, in terms of just like actively portraying the Doctor on screen, you know, he has a run from 74 to 1980. Because we're early 77 yeah. with this. Yes, yes. So, so we're from January sort of, to February. Yeah, we're comfortably so. in the middle. I think it's his middle of his third series. Okay. It's his first one, sort of like, we're just coming off the back of Sarah Jane Smith. In the previous story, he's picked up his new companion, Leela. Um, oh, for context, we haven't said what the name of the story. We're, we're, talking, no. we're doing the robots uh, of death. Yes. The, arguably one of the most generic Doctor Who titles ever. Like... And it, it sort it, of gave it, away where the plot's going fairly early, it doesn't does, it? It does, doesn't it? But, you know, I don't know. I enjoyed that as a title. The might, Robots of Death. They might as well have yeah. just called an episode like, The Man Killed Her. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but anyway, yeah. So, uh, Le- for full disclosure, Lena is one of my favourite companions. I really liked her. She's great, isn't she? She she is, but she's very different, and that's why she's so good. You know, like, we've seen like strong female companions, but I, I forget the girl's name we saw where she was like a really strong feminist. Oh, um, what in classic who? Yeah, in Tomb of the Cybermen, was it? Oh, um, no, because that's that's Victoria. You wouldn't class her as a as a feminist. Oh, right. I'm wondering if we're thinking of uh, who did. Because we watched the demons, so that's that's Joe, isn't it? Might be. Yeah. But I just like the fact that Leela's just like just there for fun. Yeah. And to yeah. kill stuff. Yeah. She loves killing stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I quite like the character of Leela. Yeah, it's really interesting because obviously, the, the, if you're not, I mean, you haven't seen her her previous story, but basically, she's in this sort of like post-apocalyptic world where. Um, humans have basically devolved from our current sort of uh, enlightened forms into kind of like it's tribal societies basically uh-huh. so she's like a cave woman but from another world right um, so yeah she's got a trusty dagger she's got her sort of like animal skin costume 
Um, and she's just technology is magic to her, basically. Mm. And yeah, that's really one thing that, that that we don't get at all in the RTD series is like companions from other times and other worlds. Mm. So it's really nice to get that with yeah. Uh, here. I never really thought of that, yeah. but yeah, they're all just girls from London. Yeah, yeah, and it does get a bit samey mm. after a while. Um, but what what did you think of these episodes? Okay, well, I mean, I've seen them before, obviously, and I really enjoyed it on first viewing. I knew it had a reputation as a bit of a classic, and I was like, eh, it was fun. Uh, on rewatching it this time, I think I enjoyed it a lot more. I thought it was okay. Yeah, I didn't hate it, but it has possibly the worst ending of any episode <laughs> of television I have ever seen. Really, not just. The revelation, but literally the ending. Well, where they just sort of wander off. Yeah. I mean, I don't <laughs> want to get ahead from ourselves, yeah. but the final thing I've just put is, the Doctor kills the last one, then just buggers off. <laughs> that's that's the fourth Doctor's MO. Really? That's how he does it. You're joking me? A lot of the time, yeah. Like, I thought, because, <laughs> I mean... Spoiler, yeah. you, you uploaded four episodes yes. to like our Google Drive. Yeah. I thought there was a fifth episode. <laughs> I did tell you it was four parts. Yeah, but he just like <laughs> See you later. <laughs> well he doesn't even do that. He just literally yeah. about turn and walks off. Well, as I say, look, the third doctor very much rooted on Earth. Like, he was in exile um, with Unit. Uh, so, when the fourth Doctor has the ability to just travel at will in his TARDIS again, he makes full use of it. What? He is just bouncing around from planet to planet, time to time, without a care in the world. What happened so that he was no longer in exile? If memory serves, and I have only watched the third Doctor Zero once, I think the timelines basically just let him off. Right, they, okay. just, they just like get but they're like okay and you've done your time what what did he do to become exiled um it's complicated watch the war games I mean I won't but... I mean come on it's only ten parts no <laughs> right so should we talk through robots of death yeah why not I mean it might be fairly brisk because I struggle to make a lot of notes here yeah because there's a lot of inconsequential chat there is. Um, again, you know, this is classic Who. There's a lot of standing around and talking. Yeah. You know, they paid for the sets. They've got to get their, their money's worth out of them. So, we start with, I've called it a robot tank. But it's yes. like a giant mining facility that's yeah. mobile. It's that, a mine on wheels. Yeah. So, it travels this planet. Yeah. Does it name the planet? I don't think they do name the planet, no. Um, but it's like a sort of barren yeah. desert so world. it's got a like a sandy surface yeah. that this uses to like sift yeah, to basically. harvest precious resources so they're kind of like they're, they're almost like storm chasers so like every time there's a sandstorm it like brings all of these precious minerals up to the surface mm-hmm. so they'll wait for the sand they'll chase after the storm and then go and scoop it all up basically um, and at first I've put it's controlled by robot men yes but it isn't really. There's just a lot of them. Yeah, well, basically, they're doing all the grunt work. Which yeah. Which is kind of what you'd expect. So, so can we t- talk about the design of the robots? Mm-hmm. What did you think of the, their look? They reminded me of, and 
I don't know whether you've ever played Morrowind, one of the older Elder Scrolls games. I haven't, no. There's a specific set of elven armour. Oh. It's basically the elf police. They right. wear gold masks and they look exactly like this. Ah, I wonder if it's a conscious reference even. Uh, Probably not. I don't know. Morrowind is pretty deserty, if I remember. Mm. Well, certainly the, 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 the phrase that gets bandied around a lot with regards to these is Art Deco. Yeah. It has a sort of art deco yeah, look I can to see it. That. It's almost it also obviously makes me think of like German expressionist stuff like uh Metropolis and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, you, you get I that definitely sort of see that. From it. Uh, I really like the design. I think it it stands up like for something that was often like visually old classic who does not stand up terribly well because they were like Stringing it together on a budget of fifty p, and with always no time to put stuff together. So, hats off to the to the costume designers. I think they've actually managed something halfway decent. And also, the the costumes of the crew. Should we talk about them? Go on. What amazing hats! Great uh, hat work. I, I thought you were going to mention, and I think it's going back to the costumes of the robots. Yeah. That their shoes are just wrapped in tinfoil. <laughs> yeah, there is and that. You get yeah. them marching round. I think yeah. it's meant to be like the Cyberman stomp. Yeah, but I just thought that looks shit. I mean, they definitely are just people in costumes. There's yeah. no getting around that. But anyway, yeah. So we meet the crew who are ostensibly in charge of these robots. Yeah, but at first they're getting like massaged and therapy. Yeah. I, they live a good life. It they seems. are so. There is only one word to describe the general uh, character of that crew, and that is louche. Yes, they are the lucheest. Yeah. Uh, mining crew imaginable. Now, if you were receiving a massage from a robot, would you appreciate me just butting in and just going, ah, oh, I had a story where a robot went mental, pulled a man's arm off? <laughs> I mean, no, I wouldn't, but I think that was kind of the point. He was trying to needle in a bit, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, but Plus, as soon as I said that, that was like first 30 yeah. seconds. I yeah. just went, oh, I wonder where this fucking episode's going. <laughs> I mean, you've already got the title, The Robots of Death. Yeah. So... <laughs> But then we cut to the TARDIS, yeah. and we've got Leela playing with a yo-yo. Yeah. And it's she thought it, she basically had to do that or something bad would happen, and the Doctor just goes, no, nah, it's just a toy. She thought you might enjoy it. Yeah. yeah. And the Doctor again explains the TARDIS. I quite yeah. like that bit where he's talking about the cubes and how... Yeah, like he's sort of playing with perspective, so he's like, you know, two cubes are the same size, and he has them to say which one's bigger. Oh, in fact, no, one's slightly bigger than the other, so yeah. Uh, yeah, which one's bigger? Oh, that one. And then he moves it really far away and says, now which one's bigger? Yeah. It's like, well, a bit like Father Ted, isn't it? Yeah. Where he's explaining to Dougal that some sheep are small <laughs> and some are just yes. far away. Yeah. Because the previous explanation we got, was it with the first Doctor? Yeah. Where he just turns the telly on and just goes, oh, that building's really big, but it fits in a telly. Yeah. It's like, not really how it works, pal. <laughs> Not really, yeah. Explaining yeah. much there. I think you? part part of it's almost a running gag across the entirety of the show that the Doctor can't be bothered to give a satisfactory explanation for how the TARDIS works. Yeah, but then the TARDIS door opens and there's just a sheer metal face. Mm-hmm. So they go investigate, because of course, why wouldn't you? That's what they're there to do. And then back on time, I, I don't really know what it was called. I've just called it the robot tank. Uh, I think its official name is Stormmine 4. There we go, Stormmine 4. And there's a man called Chubbs. Yeah. And he calls for a robot to help him lift something heavy or on a high shelf. Yes. And when it turns up, it's got red eyes. Yeah. And kills him. Yeah. 
There we go. Nice and early. We're in with the whole... We've, we've got our robots. We've is got it, our death. Is it this bit where he gets killed and you cut to like some of the other crew hanging out and you hear like the worst Wilhelm scream ever? <laughs> yeah. Instead of just like going like, ah! It like, like goes on for ages yeah, and it's, it's too like, high pitched oh, for a man's scream. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it just goes on yeah. and on. Yeah. Um, but as the Doctor then boards the tank his TARDIS is reclaimed with yeah. one of those crane games from the fair <laughs> yeah <laughs> not the most convincing model shot of the and episode it's at this point that the doctor realises this is a mining facility yes yeah so somebody then tells the command the commander sorry that Chubbs was murdered and he's he asks how could anyone hear a scream that we definitely did here. If he was strangled. Ooh. Ooh. A little bit of mystery. Yeah. Um, and back with the Doctor, two robots then approach him. Yeah. I mean, it cuts back and forward a little bit here. It does. It Literally, does. other than this murder, not much really happens in the first episode. Not masses. I mean, we get a sense of what the crew is we, like. We get a lot of the Doctor just walking up and down a corridor. Yeah. Just going, hmm, mining. Yeah. And then the next bit is like, they must be mining the sand. <laughs> yeah. It, and it then he's like, oh, they're mining the sand when the sandstone comes. Drip feeds it. So let's just quickly run through the crew and Go on then. kind of the vibe. So so you've got the Captain Uvanov, yeah. who is a, a bit of a creep. Let's yeah. not be about the bush. He's, he's like, he's completely mercenary. Like, he's just, it's all about the money for him. And he seems to have very like he doesn't seem concerned is, that his crew is has, what is, is he like? the one that has like a prejudice against rich people? Yes, he's got yeah. a real bee in his bonnet. That is she called Zelda or Zilda? Zelda, yes. Is, who is who is like old money? Yeah, and Uvanov is obviously self-made man. Mm. Uh, so there's a kind, there's definitely like class elements at play. Yeah, there because I think this happens pretty earlier on when he's interrogating the crew to find the murderer. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. And how do you feel about the effect? Like, when you boil it down to its essentials, it's almost like an Agatha Christie story. It's, it's a murder mystery. It's pretty similar to the thingy in the wasp. Yeah, unicorn and the wasp. Unicorn and the wasp. I would argue better. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I, on the whole, I had a fairly good time with this. I was yeah. dreading coming home from work. I know you always say space it out. Yeah. I watched all four episodes in one sitting. It's not the way to so do it. So it was like nearly two hours of my life. Yeah. And it wasn't unbearable. I, I think that there's a lot of... Uh, it's quite a witty script, which helps. There's some good dialogue. Yeah, and it it's, it's quite fun. Yeah, definitely. The thing is, when I say it's fun, sometimes it borders on stupid. Yeah. But, you know... I don't think it was trying to be too high concept and then failing. No. It was just like, here's the plot. It's, it, absolutely. It's basically like, look, the sci-fi concept is it's like, we're going to have a bit of interest with robotics. It's kind of almost, you know, inspired by like Asimov and stuff like that. You know, like, can, you know, robots shouldn't be programmed to kill their masters. And so what happens when you have that kind of world, but then you have a murder mystery where robots are suspects, yeah. you know. Um, and just kind of goes with that idea. Doesn't try and doesn't try and overcomplicate it from that point. Just kind of sets the scene and lets the mystery play out. Yeah. Um, 
So, in amongst all the interrogation of the crew, mm-hmm. um, is there any other crew members we need to talk about? Well, the other key ones we've got, um, you've got Toos, who's kind of like second in command. Is he she's the, the lady with she's the lady with the phenomenal hat that's like. Like a, almost like a cross between a Roman centurion's helmet. And she's also got the most glorious bed. Yes, like like clamshell. She, she spends a lot of time in bed. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I just thought, I bet that's comfy. Yeah, it looks good, doesn't it? Mm. Yeah. Um, you've got um, Dask, who's early on in when they're talking about debating. Can a robot ever harm a human? He, he's the one who's very skeptical. Like, no, they're not programmed to do that. Yeah. Um, you've got Poole, who's um, he, he's like the programmer of the robots, is he? I think he's one of the more senior members. I think Dask is maybe the the programmer. Yeah, yeah. But a lot of the robots answer directly yeah. to Poole, don't they? Yeah, and he's quite effeminate. Yeah. Is that fair yeah. to say? Yeah. He's got a lovely bouffant head. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's well kept, isn't <laughs> yeah, he? Yeah, he is. Um, so then you've got um, Borg, who can't even remember. I think he's maybe the first one, one of the first ones to yeah. die. I think, I think I've written yet. I'm pretty certain yeah. I just know that name because yeah. I remember writing it in my notes yeah. and just going, who's Borg? Yeah. And he's one of those who's basically there to die. Chubb, who has already died, the meteorologist. Yeah. Um, Cass... Uh, who is another just like random crew member um, who's you know obviously doesn't make it through the end of the story um, Zilda we've already mentioned and then we're on to the robots so yeah yeah so that's that's your yeah, that's your main crew but so when interrogating the crew the commander shows some evidence that was found on Chubbs's body yeah and it's like a red almost like a button like yeah. a disc and he says these are markers that are placed on robots that are going to be discontinued. Yeah, they're, they're deactivated. It's yeah. to show that they 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 are de- deactivated, and they're they're known colloquially as corpse markers. Yeah, yeah. So there's a kind of grim humour to it, and it's always like a calling card. But the doctor doesn't believe robots are hostile. Um, when the yeah. robots question him, yeah. So, so yeah, he, he uh, leader and. Uh, it's really fascinating. So I really love that Uvanov, when he's told a, a member of his crew has died and that two hostages have been taken by the robots that somehow got on board the ship and his attitude is just, I'll let the robots handle it. Yeah. He's not even interested in talking to I'm not to the them. world's greatest detective, but I'd probably shot them. Yeah. On sight. Yeah. It's, it's just fascinating. And I think... It's a stretch, but I, for me, I feel like it's just an evidence of the extent to which this society is just letting robots deal with everything. Yeah. They're just not concerning themselves with the petty stuff. They're there to make money and get massages. They're not there to get their hands dirty. So, the commander does identify them as potential killers, but by then, the doctors used the sonic screwdriver yeah. to have a little scout around. Yeah. Uh, Leela finds the body of Chubb. Uh, being sort of handled by robots, mm-hmm. so she suspects. Whereas the doctor finds another body. I think this might be Cass. Could be Borg. One of the two inside, yeah. like a mining silo. Yes, and, I think that's Borg in that one. And episode one ends with him being trapped in this silo yeah. and begins to fill up. Yeah, the doctor's dead. 
End of the story. Yeah. Oh, Lila, no, wait. Leela's going to get shot for murder. <laughs> yeah. Uh, except he just has a snorkel. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we've we've seen uh, we've seen him have time mice and yeah. 3D glasses. He's got big pockets. Got big pockets. I'm just going to say that is a bullshit conclusion to that cliffhanger. Really, it was the fourth Doctor that was the one that really established having whatever's handy in his pockets. Really? That was a bit of a thing in his like he would you know there's a famous scene in um, the Genesis of the Daleks, which again. If you're up for a six part, we maybe would have watched that, but you know, uh, didn't fancy it. Um, and it, like they, the, where the doctor gets told to turn out his pockets, and he just says, "Oh, well, this might take a while." And he's like producing yo-yos and packets of jelly babies, and you know, all this random ephemera just coming out of his pocket like a Mary Poppins bag. So, um, yeah, he has a snorkel. Yeah, go with it. So Leela's hiding from the robots. But the Doctor escapes the silo, is restrained, and then taken to the command deck. Yeah. And Leela finds another victim, so this will be the other one. This is Cass, yeah. And she's also restrained and taken to the commander. Yeah. And accused of murder. I mean, it's understandable. People are being bumped off left and right, and you've got two random strangers, one of whom is carrying a dagger. Yeah. I mean... They've been strangled, but you know. <laughs> um, so the doctor finally meets the commander, and I've just put in my notes. He pisses everyone off. Yeah. So he gets told to be quiet. He starts talking. Yeah. He accuses them all of being the murderer. Yeah. You know, basically says he's not that fussed about people dying. It's just not a good way to make a good first impression, is it? No. Um. From there. We get a little bit more resentment from the commander towards Zilda for yeah. a rich family. Yeah. He's uh, so creepy in those moments as well. He's like leaning over her. and like. But then we get a little instruction to the robot saying, why don't you go kill Zilda? So straight away we think the commander's oh, doing it. Must Except be. this is Doctor Who, so we can tick him <laughs> off the suspect list. Yeah. Uh, and the Doctor and Leela are tied up. And Poole comes to speak to them. Oh, yes, they're in those sort of, like, restraining... Like, neck things, highs. Yeah. There's one around their waist, one around, one around their neck. neck. Yeah. Uh, doesn't look that restraining. No, I mean, they, we're told that it's, like, incredibly strong material, like, that the robots had to bend into position, but, like, mm. we don't really get much of a sense of that. So, Pool frees them. Yeah. And the Doctor convinces Pool that a robot is committing these murders. Yeah. Now, at this point, I don't really remember the context of the conversation. Mm. But the, oh, He's talking about flight, and the Doctor says that bumblebees are insects that you know shouldn't yes. be able to fly. Yeah. So he calls bumblebees insects. Mm. But later we find out they're aliens. I mean, yeah. Little continuity well, some, some... It's almost like it's a stupid point. <laughs> almost like they shouldn't have said that. Yeah. Anyway, right. moving on. So, Zelda has a fit of madness, accuses the commander, until he and Pearl begin to investigate. Yeah. Because something's jammed the motor. Ooh. So the tank becomes unstable, it starts moving forward perilously. Yeah. Uh, uh, in a straight line. And we've got another cliffhanger. 
Yeah, because <laughs> Borg, the engineer, has also been killed. Yeah. Except the easiest way to stop a tank when its motor's going haywire is just sabotage the motor. Yeah. So I think Borg just literally like hits it till it stops. We don't yeah. see him doing any fancy technical gubbins. So they're not. I thought it was in the, as the start of the next episode. It isn't like because the doctor's barking commands and they, there's some debate as to whether or not they should like cut the wire, mm. and then they cut the wire, and then it's fine. Yeah, something like that. Doesn't go on for that long. It's no. not really actually that important. When not really. It's, it. uh, this is just the classic example of how in Classic Who, every episode has to end with a cliffhanger. Yeah. And just like, just the crowbar it in. Like, the story would flow so much better if they didn't bother with that. But oh, the um, real peril now yeah. is that without the motor, the tank is sinking into yeah. the sand. Yeah. And we get a revelation that in the past... The resentment between the commander and Zilda actually stems from the fact that he killed her brother. Yes, yeah. Was it a mission where he ordered him to step outside? Uh, That's how he killed him, yeah, I think. Yeah, because yes. he'd like lost his mind. He yeah, like exiled in, him. In subordination, I think. But but yeah, so we, we get this... I mean, we already know that the, the commander's a bit of a heartless bastard, so it's not a stretch to imagine him doing something like that. Mm. Um so, yeah. so Dask is now mending a robot that's been sort of harmed earlier on. Yeah. And he puts a corpse marker on it. Yeah. Ooh, Ooh. maybe he's a suspect. And Poole looks at the robot and realises it's got blood on its hands. Mm-hmm. And this episode sort of goes a bit everywhere. So one of the robots receives a message from a shady man on television. Oh, yeah. And it's sort of blurry enough that you can't really make out who it is brilliantly. Um, We we haven't mentioned yet D86? Yeah. I I sort of didn't acknowledge how important he was till the end. I've just gone, it's a robot. It's a robot. But it turns out there's like one good robot all the way through. Yeah, yeah. Which is D86. So it's worth pointing out the... The, the, the naming system with the different classes of robots. So you've got the Vox, who are the more uh, advanced robots that can speak. You've got the the Doms that are, you know, uh, can't speak. And then you've got the, the Super Vox, who is like the commander robot, uh-huh. basically. And so D86... Is it 86? Is it 88? 84. 84. Um... He's he starts talking to Leela earlier on, and obviously he shouldn't be able to talk because he's a D. Well, he's a dumb robot, but obviously there is more to him than that. Um, he's got a really annoying voice. Yeah, I feel like we need to whether he talks like this. Talks a bit like what, the Ood. Yes, it's a really annoying voice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Starting to get on my tits round about episode three. I will say. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, so it just felt like we needed to establish that he he's a thing that exists. Yeah. Yeah. So with the other robots, the, this shady man that communicates via transmission is able to, like, 
operate and corrupt them. Yes, yeah. He's obviously the puppet master behind whatever these murders are. Yeah, because yeah. then I think it is D84 talks about Taron Capel. Yes, yeah. And this he is gives where the exposition dump. This is where everything just sort of happens in one massive go. Yeah. So even though he's never mentioned before, Taron Capel is the most important character in this entire story. Absolutely. So he's a robotic scientist who from childhood only lived with robots. Yeah. And the Doctor says he's taken place of one of the crew members. That's why there's a robot uprising. Yeah. Bit specific, isn't it? Yeah. If you know one robot scientist, <laughs> you just go, oh, well, it must be him. Yeah. Yeah. So they say, well, I know everyone who's a member of this crew. And the Doctor points out they've only known each other for as long as they've been on this tank. Yeah. So Taron Capel could have murdered somebody and taken yeah. their place could prior to this mission. Any of them. Yeah. So, but now we've got at least we 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 maybe haven't narrowed it down, but we know who we're looking for. It's yeah. a hunt for Taron Capel. Yeah. And I just thought that was bollocks. If I'm honest. <laughs> <laughs> just like we've got this mystery. Yeah. We know people have got agendas, and then they just go, "Oh no, it's it's actually this character that you've never heard of." <laughs> yeah, it's a completely un- it's unrelated. Like, I think we agenda. talked about yeah. this with Unicorn and the Wasp. It's yeah. like Murder on the Orient Express. Where you get the revelation, it's just like, oh no, they're all friends with this girl you've never heard yeah. of. Yeah, absolute bollocks. You don't, you don't like mystery stories much, do you? No, I do. <laughs> but like, it should be someone in the crew. We didn't need this revelation that we've got this big bad guy. I mean, spoiler, it is someone in the crew. Well, yeah, because we know Taron Capel has killed someone and taken their yeah. place. But wouldn't it make more sense if it was somebody and it was part of this class war? Or something like that. Maybe. But the, the point is that you've got to have some false leads. You know, you've yeah. got to have some other things to throw you off the scent before you get to the actual conclusion. So the robots, and now we realise that face on the screen was Taron Capel. Yeah. He's ordering them to kill all the remaining crew. Yeah. And then I like how the robot approaches Leela and says, You must die. In a massive open space, it approaches <laughs> so slowly yeah. that she has time to throw a knife at it, yeah. which, realise that plan is ineffective, yeah. c- completely think of a new plan, yeah. throw a curtain over its head, yeah. and then walk Let out go. the open door. Yeah, I feel she didn't throw the knife or the curtains. If she'd given it a wide enough berth, <laughs> she could have just walked past it. <laughs> yeah. It's absolute farce. So... The Doctor then finds a robotics lab mm-hmm. and contacts uh, Toos, who's the pilot, yeah, uh, to you know make the rest of the crew aware that he's found this lab. Uh-huh. At that point, all the robots start going for Toos, yeah, and Leela finds Pearl hiding under a desk. Yeah, he's just become a gibbering wreck. Not not that great uh, cliffhanger at the end of episode three, is it? It's just like man under a desk. <laughs> Is there not also uh, someone's being threatened? Is it? Well, I guess it's like, is Tooth gonna die? Is the thing? I mean, I mean do we care? Do we care if Tooth? Are we that invested? Yeah. Right. So the commander finds the doctor in the robot lab. Mm-hmm. Suspects he's been operating the robot lab, telling the robots what to do, and sentences him to death. Except the doctor then tricks the robots into fighting each other. Yeah. Is it D84 fighting one, or does he just convince... I think... I know, there's D84, because it's uh, the one that's going for twos. 
It's D84 protecting. Right. Uh, her. So, Leela reunites with Toos. Yeah. Poole and D84 are undercover hunting Taran Capel. Yes. Right. This episode makes no sense. <laughs> right? We then find out that the commander didn't kill Zilda's brother, that her brother had robophobia. Yeah. Oh, he, yeah, we get so a lot of talk about what robophobia is. Yeah, yeah. that goes on bulk <laughs> of this episode. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I quite like the reveal, because obviously, out of everyone in the crew, you're made to think Uvanov is the biggest bastard. Mm. And in many ways, he is the biggest bastard. Well, certainly he is a big bastard. He's not a nice bloke. No. But you understand that actually there is more to the, the version of events than, we've, than what we've heard previously of, mm-hmm. of uh, the account of Zilda's brother's death. And I think that's an interesting reveal. That's another wrinkle. So then the Doctor's told to surrender. But rather than do that, he makes anti-robot bombs. Yeah. I mean... Convenient. Of course he will. Well, no, he just he, had all the tools at hand to make them. Well, no, he, 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 he goes through the crew and says, okay, right, this is a mining vessel. You've got explosives, right? He's like, mm-hmm. well, yes, we have. Okay, well, you've got that. You've got this. With the classic Doctor cobbling together kind of thing. It's, you know. Then he goes to investigate. Dusk returns to the command desk, but he's yeah. now got a green face. Yeah, it's pretty obvious at this point. Yeah, what did you make of that as a way to reveal he's the big bad guy? Yeah, it's all right. I mean, he's an odd-looking fellow at the best of times, isn't he? He is. He's got that very strange hair. And we haven't really discussed it, but it seems to be the fashion of this crew that you draw lines across from your eyebrow yes. and down yeah. the bridge of your nose. It is unclear to me whether that is a fashion or whether that's just what their race is like. And whether they're meant oh. to be an alien race. And that's the best the, crew, the uh, costume department could come up with. It's so, so bad. <laughs> so bad. So he's Taran Capel. Yes. He orders the murder of all humans. Yeah. Seems a bit stupid with him being a human, but the robots don't see. I guess so. he's programmed in, uh, them to treat him differently. And then we get the way to defeat Taran Capel. Yeah. So all the robots follow his instructions. They're programmed to recognise his, his voice. voice. Yes. So the Doctor gives Leela a helium tank. Yes. Thinking, if we raise the pitch of his voice, they won't the robots him. won't recognise him. Yeah. And they won't follow his instructions. And that will buy them enough time for the Doctor to set off his anti-robot bomb. Yeah. And destroy So, Dusk captures the Doctor and his voice changes. Yeah. Somehow the Doctor's voice doesn't change, despite the fact they're in the same room. It must be Time Lord physiology. Well... We, they, we have that exact discussion before the end of the episode. Mm. Leela asks him about that. And then the good droid, V84, yeah. destroys all the other ones, but one of them kills Taran Capel. Yeah. The one that kills Taran Capel, the Doctor kills him. End of episode. Yeah. Absolute criminal way to end <laughs> an episode. I don't know. It t- ties everything up pretty neatly. Hmm. What more needs to be said? At the end of the day, the fourth Doctor, he's not one for lingering around and doing the touchy-feely stuff. It's like, crisis has been averted, I'm off. Right, I I appreciate that, but on a meta level, the scriptwriters should have thought, (laughs) we've got an audience to appease here. They've got an audience of seven-year-old boys. Oh. (laughs) 
it does the job. I don't know if we should be watching this. <laughs> we should have done like a Top Gear podcast. Oh, well, the, the roles would have definitely been reversed what? in that situation. No, I don't really like Top Gear. I'm just thinking yeah. what the bloke's like. Oh, we God. say it all the time. We should have done a Robot Wars podcast. Yeah, that, I could have gotten on board with that, to be mm. honest. Um, anyway, yeah. So Fourth Doctor. Yes. Right? Yeah. Talk to me about how we go from Pertwee to him. Pertwee is killed uh, at the end of um, Planet of the Spiders. Mm-hmm. He suffers, I, I think it's radiation. It's always, it's it's always radiation. It's not always radiation. It's always radiation. Uh, I, 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 I might as well tell you now. Fourth Doctor just has a fall. Really? <laughs> just falls off, falls off a, off a um, radio tower. All right. Yeah. okay yeah um but anyway yeah so i mean what more do you need to know about the fourth doctor like what what do you think of tom baker's performance here um i I can see how it has bled into later doctors because like i say my first exposure to doctor who was the paul mcgann movie yeah but that was like cool doctor yeah whereas there's a lot of mannerisms here that we see in even Eccleston, yeah. who's cool action doctor. Yeah, because he's he's kind of he's got that level of detachment. He feels quite alien, doesn't mm. he? Like you you don't get the sense that this is just a human being walking around, and like he has that wonderful rich voice of yeah. his. That, that like I love the dynamics, the way he'll go from like very loud and commanding to sort of like almost mumbling under his breath, like. He's just talking to himself and forgets there's anyone else in the room. I th- there is a real magnetism to Tom Baker mm. as a performer, I think. Yeah. It's hard if, to take your eyes off. If we go back to ranking the classic Doctors we've yeah. seen, where would you put him? <sighs> you see, I love them all so much for different reasons. I've never got- settled on... Shall I tell you how I feel about Fourth Doctor? It's weird in that I don't think of him as being a favourite necessarily. Like, he's mm. iconic, but I don't always necessarily think of him as a favourite. Unless I'm actually watching one of his stories, and then I'm just so into it. I I can't remember how I ranked them last time, yeah. but I'm going to say 2, 4, 3, 1. Yeah, that's fair. Do a lot of people think the first Doctor was the best Doctor? He has his defenders. How can he be anyone's favourite? <laughs> I think a cratchety some... shit bag old man. <laughs> I think some people really yeah, they're just there for that. They just love Is that. he always like that? Does he ever like He mellows out a bit? I, ca- like... I can't believe okay. this show's run as long as it has. <laughs> There's some real dog shit in amongst it all. But the th- the point I think the reason it has endured is that it has this unique capacity to go anywhere. Mm. Do anything. And have any cast. No no other show has that gift, you know. In Classic Who, did they ever have a good cast? Oh, come <laughs> off it. Did it, I mean, what, did you not, were you not impressed by Louise Jameson as, as Leela? Uh, she was pretty good. She's, I think she's really, fu- she has a really fun energy. Mm. Like, she, she nails the funny moments. You believe her as an action heroine in, in a given... You've got to remember as well, She's she doesn't have a stunt double. She has no Dude. choreographer to help her. 
when she does the best she can. When people <laughs> defend classic Who yeah. against modern Who, yeah, what is the main strength? Because let's be honest, it's not as good. Okay, for a lot of people, it's nostalgia. You've got to keep that in mind. A lot of yeah. people who love classic Who, it's because they were watching it when they were kids. It's special to their heart. In the same way that now, you've got actual adults walking around in the world who grew up watching the Tenant era. And first of all, that blows my mind as someone who is like mm. a bit older. But like, there are adults out there for whom Tenant is Doctor Who and they're not really interested in anything else because that's what they watched when they were kids and that's what mattered to them. So, like, when Matt Smith turned up, they're just like, oh, I can't be bothered with this, switched off. Which I think is a great shame, because there's some fantastic stuff coming up, which I'm really excited for you to watch. Um, so, I think I've got the... I feel blessed in a way that I'm a child of the wilderness era, in that I, there is no particular Doctor that I have any nostalgic affinity for. I can just enjoy them all for their particular merits. So for me, one of the things I love about classic Doctor Who is, one, you get a bit more breathing room with the stories. I actually appreciate that. I think sometimes modern Doctor Who, it can be a bit fast-paced. Like it's trying to cram so much into just 45 minutes and sometimes just like, I feel like, I wish we just had another half an hour just to let things breathe a little more. Um, I think there's some great characters, like Lena, for example, is a favourite of mine. She's a brilliant companion. Um, I like. I think part of the appeal of Doctor Who for me. Sorry, <laughs> as Matt falls I'm just doing a big yawn. <laughs> just like, go on. I mean, it's part like, of the appeal of. Do- oh God, here we go again. You asked. You asked. Look, I like being able to compare and contrast, and and because I'm the sort of person who likes knowing how the sausage is made thinking about the creative choices being made behind the scenes, the sheer resourcefulness of these poor BBC employees have getting these scripts with outlandish concepts and being like, okay, well, that's lovely that you've written this, but how the fuck am I going to make 10 robots when I've got, you know, two weeks and I've got, you know, barely two quid to rub together. And, and it's just that level of resourcefulness. I admire that so much. And when it's working, everyone's just having fun. There is a sense of fun about classic Who that sometimes we don't get with modern Who, where it's a little bit more of a, in inverted commas, flagship show where they've thrown a bunch of money at it and there's so much at stake. And it's like, you're not having fun with this, though. Right. So that's what I miss sometimes with modern S- Who. Stop. Being so positive and reminiscing, yeah. what is the one thing you hate most about Classic Who? Uh, when it's bad, the scripts can be really, really poor. Yeah. yeah. Like, when it's good, the writing... There's there's some phenomenal writers for Classic Who, like uh, Robert Holmes. and uh, Actually, I think Chris Bouchard, who, who wrote this story, I think is pretty solid as well. And the, uh, T- Terence Dix, who you know, passed away quite recently. There's some great writers. But also, there are some people who are just really... They, they're just doing it for the paycheck. <laughs> it shows with their stories. Yeah. So, but Mon Who's a mixed bag as well. It's all a mixed bag. That's part of the appeal. I, I won't ask you what it is. Yeah. But would you say your all-time favourite Doctor Who story comes from classic or modern? Modern. Really? Yeah. Have we seen it? No. Okay. I won't ask. No. It's it's coming. It's uh, maybe not for a little while yet, but. Right. I look forward to that. Yeah. 
Anything else we need to tackle? I don't think so. Um, join us next week, everyone, when we will be discussing the eleventh hour, the first episode from the Matt Smith era. I'm rather excited. Yeah, it better be good. We shall wait and see. Imagine if it's totally shit. <laughs> like if it absolutely stinks the place out. <laughs> Will that be the one that ends this podcast? Do you think if you get the, like the first episode of, of the Smith era and you're just like, this is worse than Tenon? Is there anything, I'm trying to think what the worst thing we've seen so far is. Fear Probably Fear Her. Is there anything in season five that comes close? I can't answer that. Really? Oh, there's a stinker coming. I cannot wait. We'll see. I love a bad episode more than I like a good episode. <laughs> we'll just have to wait and see. Um, oh. So join us next week for the 11th hour. Until then, thank you very much for listening. Bye now. Cheerio. If you wish to contact us, our email address is timenorspacepod at gmail.com and on Twitter we are at timenorspacepod. And thank you to Alexander Urban for his smashing arrangement of the Doctor Who theme.